When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Wednesday on The Horn, get you up over the hump. And for a lot of you folks, this is maybe your first day of the week. You just heard Don Miller talking about the, uh, the spike in traffic and volume on the highways and byways this morning. Uh, Monday, of course, was MLK Day, so a lot of folks were off anyhow, plus the uh, uh, severe weather conditions. And then yesterday, a lot of schools were closed, so uh, a lot of folks just stayed home, stayed warm, got the fireplace cranking. Nothing wrong with that. Today might be the first day of the week for a lot of you folks, and we appreciate you joining us back and talking uh, the disappointing Cowboys' end of their season. The Texan season continues. Longhorns just continue to add pieces. And they've lost some, but they're uh, replenishing their stock of players. We'll keep you posted on that coming up with two more transfer portal additions for the Longhorns, including another wide receiver. That makes three wide receiver additions, uh, which is not surprising. Longhorns are losing their top four or five pass catchers uh, to the NFL, and to uh, and all are moving on. So, got to replenish, replenish them. And I want to get back into that question from a texter, Rod, about uh, good question. You know, when you're bringing in production, which is what mm-hmm. the Longhorns are looking for in the, the transfer portal. They're looking for prospects and, and you know star rating. They're looking for guys that have produced on the field. All six prospects that are their players that have come in have uh, have played and played significant minutes and and snaps at, at the pretty high level of college football and produced. Uh, but how, what does that do for a wide receiver room, Rod? Where you got young guys like Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore uh, thinking, man, it was my time. It's my time to shine. Um, you know, I, I have my opinion. What's your opinion on that when you're bringing in? Because look, you can't. I, I don't. We we we're both big on. You don't, you don't, you don't uh, plan with hope, <laughs> because no. we hope they develop. Hope is not we, a strategy. Uh, we hope they, uh, of, yeah. you know, are ready to replace Xavier Worthy. No. Well, you know, Silas Bolden has played. You yep. know, Isaiah Bond can play. You've seen it, right? <laughs> I mean, at the pass rush side of thing, you hope Ethan Burke and Col- Colton Vosick and Colin Simmons can bring some pass rush. You know, Trey Moore out of UTSA yep. sacked the quarterback fourteen times last year. So, hope is not a strategy. But what do you say to the young guys who were hopeful? to, um, you know, get their opportunity to, to take those spots. Uh, yeah, and I still think, you know, guys like Jontae Cook are going to be fine. I'll just say that. Guys like Jontae Cook, guys like Ryan Wingo, <laughs> who guys who I think have Sunday skill sets, I, I think they'll be okay uh, because I think they'll, the cream will rise to the top. I think ultimately those guys Competition will end is up, good. Yeah, those guys will end up uh, earning jobs, and I think the, you know, the – that level of competition in that room will increase. It'll just make those guys better. It did for me, right? You could now it's really a different era because uh, you know guys can choose to go to the transfer portal. They got more flexibility in that in that regard because uh, they don't get penalized really for hitting the transfer portal like they used to. Uh, but when I played at Texas, I mean, not, I mean, being in the same you know position room with a Quentin Jammer and a Nathan Basher and you know a young Cedric Griffin and a young Michael Huff and you know I played with some great players and you know the truth is the only four 
to five positions. <laughs> uh, it wasn't enough room for everybody out there. You had to go earn your spot, and it made me the best player that I possibly could be, being in that room um, and being pushed to be the best possible player I could be because to earn that job, I'd have to beat out some NFL players. i got to beat out some great uh, college football players, and I think ultimately the same thing will happen in this room. Yeah, guys are going to transfer. That, By the way, that's a reality on every football team and with every football program in the country. You can't avoid that. Uh, what I said, you want the good attrition. You want guys that basically can't earn a spot on your roster because or, or earn any playing time because there's too much talent, and that's what you're seeing now here at Texas. Look at you know the, the DBs are starting to leave because they don't see a path to play some of those young DBs. Those guys are talented, but they don't see a path to play. Um, and so I think for the wide receiver room, some of those guys are going to transfer. That's the reality because they're not going to see a path to play. If Sark, if Sark can expands his rotation of wide receivers, maybe more of those guys will stay, but I don't see that happening either. He's got a tight circle of trust of wide receivers, usually three, maybe four guys, and that's usually going to be it. Listen, Isaiah New York came here, 10, well, the guy came here with double-digit touchdowns. Wyoming, right? yeah. And everybody thought, all right, we're going to see Isaiah New York. He's going to ball out out there as soon as he gets done with the injury. There was an injury, and then after that, we didn't see him. Crickets, all right? Tariq Milton came from Iowa State as a receiver that had some skins on the wall, had had some productivity. Did they see him? No. So just because – Casey yeah, just because you – yeah, Case Kane was in the, in the circle of trust, and then he was out of it. And then he was like, hold up, man, I was in the circle of trust. I was, I was, getting, I was getting reps, and now I'm not getting reps. Catch the ball. <laughs> exactly. So we don't know what's going to get a player in the circle of trust or what's going to end up getting you out of the circle of trust. What I know about Sark's offense, and we can get into this deeper and in, in, in behind the burners curtain, so I won't dive into it much deep now. Um, he works really, really hands-on with the wide receivers. So he knows the guys that know it. Right? And there are certain guys that they don't really understand all the concepts, and they may, you know, be uh, they may have better skill sets overall, or maybe they have you know better top end speed. But I think he wants guys that understand his offense conceptually. That's why his circle is so tight. And once he gets those guys, whether it's a freshman, he'll play a freshman. You know, Xavier Worthy was a freshman. He's got no problem with playing a freshman. Um, but I, just because you came in the transfer portal doesn't guarantee you playing time in Sark's system. I no. think these guys will, but I doesn't guarantee you playing time. So just saying Jontae Cook could still end up sure, you know, yeah. and winning Sark, that job and some other guys could. I mean, back to his days at Alabama, Sark is clear. He wants the receivers to see the field like his quarterback does. I mean, they, yeah. they need to be on the same page. So He wants position fluidity with yeah. those guys, so they have to understand the, the offense conceptually, which means you can't just understand the X receiver. Right? Master the X receiver. Well, yeah, like, no, that's may, not it. You, you, you may master more than that. Point being, you may not be the primary target on this route, but there's a reason you're running this route, yep. and I need you to know, know why that is. So you run it full speed all the time. Um, we need this route run this way <laughs> yeah, exactly. because it takes defenders away from our primary route. We need this to be done Which right. Which is why he didn't rotate a lot of receivers. That's right. And he yeah. really, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right, 100%. So, yeah, but, again, I do think there is, to, to your point, I mean, you lived it. Um, you know, what's the book about Nick Saban? It's fourth and goal every day. Uh, when you've got guys pushing you from behind, when you guys guys kind of to take your job, and, look, the guys coming in are promised nothing. Isaiah Bond, Silas Bolden. They aren't. They aren't promised anything. I, go beat them out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go beat them out. Now, it's good to bring in – productive guys so you know hey i got some guys here and we don't just have to play on hope here that these guys develop but yeah you can still go beat them out that's just the way that works Absolutely. uh all right so let's uh pick up those conversations rod's got some good stuff from the nfl and rod's rant this hour uh also we're talking about the cowboys should they move on from mike mccarthy the question there is this um jerry jones expected to meet with mike mccarthy rod it's one thing to say you know what uh, stay the course with mike mccarthy you got the best out of dak prescott but there's never been this much talent on the available coaching market rod 
Never uh, been. I don't think I've ever remembered it. You got like you this. got Hall of Famers and Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. You got a guy like Mike Vrabel. Vrabel's out there. I mean, there. these guys are out there. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he's out there. I mean, that it, doesn't he, include the young up and comers like your your, your uh, Mike Mc, McDonald and Ben Johnson. You ain't, those are guys that young up and comers are hot shots. Yeah, man, there's a too. lot of coaching talent on the market right now. I say, I would think, yeah. And, yeah. and a couple of them, like a Pete Carroll or a Bill Belichick, are kind of short term guys, anyhow. And you've got a short window. Is Mike McCarthy coming back the best thing? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big conversation in Dallas. We'll talk about it coming up as well. And take your thoughts on it. Text line always open, 512-447-3776 on this Wednesday morning. Let's get to the top stories, though. Headlines to start your Wednesday. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment, they've got breaking news. They've got a brand-new location we'll tell you about. Uh, but we do start with Texas football. Two more players through the transfer portal yesterday. Following a weekend visit, former Oregon State wide receiver Silas Bolden became the third wide receiver to transfer into Texas. 5'8", 160-pound speedster, fresh off a breakout season in Corvallis. Caught 54 passes last season, over 700 yards and five touchdowns. Also a stalwart on the special team teams unit, kick return and bunt return. He comes in along with Matthew Golden out of Houston and Isaiah Bond from Alabama. Texas defense also added a piece yesterday, former Alabama linebacker and their special teams ace Kendrick Blackshear committed to the Longhorns. He's senior to be from originally from Duncanville, uh, rolls in to uh, be a rotational piece in the Texas defense. He joins Trey Moore and Andrew Makuba as transfer portal additions for the defensive side of the ball, so six total so far. Columbus yesterday, Ohio State officially announced the hiring of a Ross Bjork to be the school's new athletic director. 54-51 year old's been the AD at Texas A&M since 2019. He will begin his new position July 1st and succeed to the retiring Gene Smith, who's been the AD at Ohio State since 2005. Plenty of coaching developments in the NFL. Mike Tomlin stood in front of his team and informed them yesterday he will be back to coach the Steelers next season. Called media reports that he was considering stepping aside unfounded and untrue. Atlanta Falcons interviewed Michigan's Jim Harbaugh for their vacant head coaching role yesterday. They have now interviewed seven uh, head coaching candidates, including Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. In college basketball last night, Aaliyah Moore on her birthday scored 17 points. Matt Freshman Madison Booker had 15. 11th-ranked Texas rolled past Kansas at Moody Center, uh, set 91-56. Texas men hit that same floor tonight, looking to bounce back from their weekend loss at West Virginia. Below Central Florida, both teams 1-2 and two in Big 12 play. And a good one in the NBA last night in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid poured in 41 points, dished out 10 assists, and he led the 76ers past Nikola Jokic in the Denver Nuggets, 126-121 in a battle of the last two NBA MVPs. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, this is not going to make Cowboys fans feel any better about the situation. Um, but there's some sound, some audio of my man Shano, Kyle Shanahan. He was being asked about playing the Packers, and he, he obviously was paying attention watching the game between the Cowboys and the Packers because he was going to end up playing uh, well, potentially one of those teams. And um, here is Shano when he was asked about when they started prepping for the Green Bay Packers. Um, we were already in here, so you know we were doing it that day. We had mixed in a little bit earlier in the week, you know, hitting up a couple teams, but um, started really focusing on them halfway through the second quarter. <laughs> then they scored at the end of the second quarter, so I kind of did both at halftime, and then third quarter I was settled. <laughs> 
I know, Shano. That's a shot, man. That that was a that was a little jab. A little In the middle jab, of the second, jab. he's talking about, yeah, we uh, moved but, on from the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, 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 you know, it, it, at first they were looking at all their options, the possibilities, all right, all the hypotheticals, and making sure they try to get a little bit of a jump, a little bit of uh, a little head start uh, on their next opponent. And then once it, <laughs> he said about the second quarter, love that midway game. through the second, well, it was midway twenty to nothing, second. and then twenty-seven to he, nothing. He already knew that. Yes, yeah, done deal. Yeah. And it might have been before that, but I like that. Nice little backhanded jab at the Cowboys there. Unfortunately, a lot of those jabs happening. And matter of fact, it, the 49ers are done because Nick, Nick Bosa keeps <laughs> uh, throwing this out there. And this is, this is from earlier this season. The first clip I would have played is from earlier this season. We played this yesterday. This was after – this is basically Nick Bosa claiming the 49ers, and this is because we were discussing what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles, how did the downward spiral start, and what was the, the, the genesis of the, the downward spiral for them, um, finishing the season with going one in six in the last seven games. After uh, the 49ers beat the Eagles, that was their second loss of the season, here is the Bosa sound of Bosa at the time saying that they put out the blueprint on how to neutralize the Eagles attack. Yeah, I mean, you see it on tape, though. Uh, and then, obviously, we put right, the Ty, blueprint we'll out there. Hopefully, Cowboys watch the tape. Um, we made Jalen stay in the pocket and escape outside instead of those big gaps and uh, paid off. Because uh, Jalen's looking at the rush every play. Um, so, yeah, you just have to be disciplined and, and not give them that quick escape route where he could get to his guys quick and pay off. Yeah, he's, he's kind of right about that because everybody did start – I mean, they're the most blitz team in the NFL. So everybody figured out blitz, but blitz through the interior gaps, force Jalen Hurts outside. And then have then someone you, there to catch him. Boom, and then you know where he's going to go. Yeah. And the Eagles don't have like, – they don't have built-in fail-safes. They don't have built-in blitz uh, protection, sight adjustments. I don't know why, but they still didn't put him in. And that's why Todd Bowles just blitzed the hell out of him. It was just – it was wild. We can get into that later, but – that it was just crazy how they just don't have any schematic adjustments. So Nick Bosa, that was after his blueprint comment. He was asked about that comment, <laughs> and this was recently, uh, this week. Here's what he said about uh, the blueprint comment of putting the blueprint out on the Philadelphia Eagles from early this season. Nick, you said that you guys kind of had the blueprint for stopping the Eagles' offense when you beat them. How do you feel about that now? Are you taking some credit for, for their early <laughs> departure? I actually saw the clip and I was like, damn, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but it uh, worked out pretty good. <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that. Worked out pretty good. And one more clip, and he was asked in this clip, uh, was he surprised the Cowboys and the Eagles were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs in the wild card round? Here is uh, Bosa. More Bosa. If you asked me earlier in the year, yeah. Um, but F, as you see the season go on and um, in the playoffs, stopping the run and running the ball uh, is how you win. And those two teams didn't do it very good, so they're out. They're out, yeah. Bose is a pretty matter-of-fact like, guy. I love these matter-of-fact, though. He actually gives you some good insights. Like, yes, he's not elaborating, but he's right. Well, to the question, it's, it's a fair one. I mean, we, for all year long, we thought that the Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles were just a cut above everybody else. And, you know, Niners and you know, Cowboys and Eagles are out. They're gone. They didn't even make it out of the first round. Mm -mm. And flaws will get exposed as the year goes on. And we've said the Philadelphia collapsed down the stretch. And the Cowboys, you know, if you're paying attention to their game at San Francisco in October, their game at Buffalo in December, 
The Cowboys have games in them like that where they just oh, yeah. don't show. I mean, the Arizona game back in September. That was a random no-show game. Where they just kind of no-show. And yeah. it's not to take it away from the Packers because the Packers beat their beat them, beat mm-hmm. their brakes off of them. Yeah. But there have been games for whatever reason the Cowboys just don't bring the intensity. And, and it's mostly not the Arizona game, was it? But it's big games. Yeah, it's, it's a mental thing. thing. Yeah, it's the, it's like the big game. It's it's the, usually they overlook the point. Like, oh, they, 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 Arizona, you, then I say it's, it's not, you know, I'm not justifying the loss. But you kind of understand it because it was like, oh, they were down for the game. They overlooked Arizona. They thought it, was, it was a Super Bowl for Arizona, and the Cowboys didn't care about that game. Some of those big games, though, where there's no shows. San Francisco. That is. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, we we, we yeah. came in talking about it. I mean, the Buffalo game, Josh Allen completed nine passes to beat him by 21. Yeah. Niners had – that game was over early. Uh, and that's that, – that, so was the Packers game. It was 27 to nothing. So, I mean, yeah. still say it out loud. The Cowboys were trailing 48 to 16 on their home field against the seven seed. I mean, that's embarrassing yeah. at every level. And that's why this meeting with Jerry Jones and, you know, Mike McCarthy – I mean, that's fireable. That's a fireable offense. It is. is it the best course of action? We'll find out, but uh, we'll see. Uh, that's debatable, but there are good coaches available, as we've talked about. So and we were talking about the Nick Sirianni thing because he could also You'd be, be fired. fired. Hell, Brian Dable could end well, up being the, the lone coach in the NFC right. that survives. I think they're both <laughs> in the same spot. That sometimes firing your coach, there's nobody out there uh, that you can get. You've got to acquire them. You've got to pay buyouts. You've got to trade for them. No, no. There are good coaches that are likely an upgrade from what you've got on the street. Ready to go. And that, that would think your situation that you have, that roster you have, is ready to roll. That they can win next season with it. Insert coach here. Insert head coach well, the here. The ESPN Jeremy and, Fowler report from ESPN yesterday that Bill Belichick is looking for talented but underachieving rosters. Eagles, Cowboys. <laughs> Eagles, Cowboys. Eagles, Cowboys. <laughs> I mean, talented in a but underachieving. I mean, no, I, I, honestly, that's a thought that, that the Eagles, they could do. Because Eagles, they, they're missing a strategist and a, a schemer. And, and that's one thing Belichick is, yeah. a strategist and a schemer. And that's what they were missing. That's why those two coordinated. Now, there, there's something toxic going on in the locker room. I'm talking about from what we know. There is something toxic happening in the locker room. We'll hear from Jalen Hurts later on who says nothing happening. But when you're the most blitz team in the NFL – that says something. That, that's t- the NFL is sending you a message. Like, hey, man, either your quarterback has not learned how to beat the blitz or your coordination on offense is so bad offensively that you guys don't have an answer for the blitz. And Todd Bowles blitzed them 54% of Eagles dropbacks. That was the highest for any team in a playoff game since 2020. He just went. He just he just went extreme with well, it. I mean, but everybody we, else in the NFL has already figured it out, and they've been doing it. Well, the blitz is it's a risk for the defense to take because they're, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. I mean, that's just what that is. And but it pays off. Against we the saw against the Chiefs, the Dolphins had to blitz because their top two pass rushers were hurt. So you know they had to bring blitzes, and every time you know Pat Mahomes torched them. He had an every single time. It. They had an answer for the yeah. blitz, and they wanted him to blitz because mm-hmm. then you're getting man coverage behind it, and uh, you know Patrick Mahomes knows how to beat it. Jalen Hurts. Either can't or they don't have, as you said, the, the built-in blitz beaters. Yeah. And that's on coaching. That's on coaching. And that goes to what Belichick's saying. Look, that, that, that report from Jeremy Fowler tells you, and not surprisingly at 71 years old, that Bill Belichick is not in this for a rebuild. I mean, he's not going to Washington to tear it down and start back over. Yeah, he doesn't want one of those. He, he's not trying to draft the young quarterback. Nope. No, I ain't, nah. got, I ain't got time to grow with him. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to go win now. Yeah, so you've got Jalen Hurts. And, and Dak Prescott. Hmm. That's, that's a good one. No, and the Eagles are. Nine pro bowlers are all pros? Yeah, okay. That's a great point, man. Belichick might end up in that NFC East. While we, it makes perfect sense right now. And all you got to do is, and Harry Roseman is probably a better option for him, in my opinion, than the Cowboys because Harry Roseman will make sure he hires a right, the right OC, OC for him yeah. and helps him out with personnel. And Harry Roseman, you know, he, he's 
he's he's reinvented himself on the fly several uh, reinvented a roster on the oh. fly several times the cowboys it takes him a while to kind of reinvent a roster well, about the cowboy, I'm, I'm not trying to rub this in cowboy fans but let's be real if you if, if jerry says the best course of action is keeping mccarthy and dan quinn leaves to go to seattle and the eagles hire bill belichick hey oh yeah <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i like that yeah howie roseman helps him hire an offensive coordinator that gets uh, jalen hurts back on track well, and basically belichick would love having all them old them young georgia defenders <laughs> on their defense howie roseman's built oh, a roster y'all that, yeah that, yeah that I mean, much like the cowboys go. and uh you know i'm you can't guarantee it with belichick but we know he's a better coach than mike mccarthy uh yeah Yes. yes. <laughs> we think, right? Now, no, uh, we know. And, you know, we'll, <laughs> we know. we'll get the text here coming up. They'll uh, say, well, we what know. is he without Tom Brady? And that's a that's a fair that's point, a, that's too. That's a valid question. But, but this I'm, is a talented roster. This, uh, that's why the offense, the, the offensive coordinator is going to be really important. Because the Eagles have talent on offense. <laughs> uh, well, now that Kelsey retirement, it also worries me. Because that could that could crater that offense if they don't. Because now the tush-push or the – Brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't have the same significance and impact because the key to it was the unique ability of Kelsey, his unique athleticism um, and Hall of Fame credentials as a center, and the power lifting element of a Jalen Hurts at quarterback, which nobody else has that combination. Now you don't really have that. I think the brotherly shove may be done because never no other team could do it either. Yeah, no. Because they didn't have that combination. Yeah, but now uh, Jason Kelsey informs his teammates that he's retiring. He looked like a beaten guy on Monday night. And did you see the report from Fox Sports' Laura Oakman uh, that Travis Kelsey or Jason Kelsey, every time he snapped the ball oh, no. in the tush push, would yell, F my life. <laughs> no, that's, <not> true. <laughs> that's what he said. He would shout that every time because, you know, he's basically saying, man, I'm the one in between all this. This isn't fun. I'm good at it, but this sucks. <laughs> Like every time he would snap it, he would shout, F oh, my life. Oh, yeah. Maybe what he shot every time the team lined up to blitz him. Was it also F my life, too? Yeah. Uh, well, he was I – mean, he's, oh, squ- he's getting crushed by a power lifter into 500 pounds of yeah. – 800 pounds of and people. Th- and by the way, they actually – Like a eat, trash compactor. And then they got two uh, players behind Jalen Hurts who each grab a buttock. Yeah. And they push Jalen Hurts. <laughs> all right. So they're – yeah, you're right. And then he's in the middle of it. And the defense is trying their best to stonewall it. Yeah, that's – you know. and. But Jason Kelsey, man, he's – I'll give you a little random factoid about him. Probably should have did this in facts today. He had a 4-1-4 short shuttle. Um, That's the fastest time ever recorded for an offensive lineman in NFL draft history. That's why he was so uniquely gifted to pull and get on the perimeter and make blocks on the perimeter. Man, he was elite. He was an elite athlete, actually, at center. He'll go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, first ballot, uh, but, too. You know, that, that is such an interesting conversation with the Cowboys and Eagles is maybe a destination for uh, for uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I agree and with that. that would, that's, it's unreal. I mean, And Mike Vrabel's a real good coach. I know a lot of Cowboy fans talk about Vrabel and what he could bring toughness-wise if you're going to lose Dan Quinn anyhow. So we'll see. All that in play. We're talking about it with you. Uh, coming back, we'll get to Rod's rant. We'll come back with Rod's rant today, first one of the morning. Rod will dive in head first. We'll also get some uh, bullish or BS before the end of the hour as we roll forward. It took him up on a Wednesday. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, my first uh, rant is actually about Pro Football Focus, and I like Pro Football Focus. They're great. Um, they, they do get themselves in trouble with their algorithms that are rating players. 
Um, I like their stats because they have advanced stats, analytical stats. But their overall grades, when they grade the players, gets them in trouble. So we all know that C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love had basically the same stat line. Um, it was damn near identical. Uh, 16 to 21, both were 16 to 21 in their playoff wins this past weekend in the wild card round. Uh, 274 yards passing for C.J. Stroud, 272 passing yards for Jordan Love. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions for both those guys. 157.2 uh, passer rating, um, identical. All right, passer ratings for both Jordan Love. So stat line looks really, really similar. Um, Jordan Love's uh, pro football focus grade was a 92.5, which is really high. Um, higher than Josh Allen's 88. Patrick Holmes also at 88. Um, Matthew Stafford was at 88.5. Man, C.J. Stroud was at 77.8. Not terrible, but it's, I mean, it would it, be hard to explain that considering they both had damn near the same identical stat lines in the game. How do you explain such a drastic difference in the pro football focus grade? Just devil's advocate, I have had this discussion before. There are some players they just uh, defy the pro football focus algorithm. They do. They de- they defy it, and they are the outliers a lot of the times when the grades don't line up with the all-pro selections or the grades don't line up with all the uh, the accolades, the Pro Bowls, and um, the uh, the top players at their position in the NFL. Trayvon Diggs actually was like this. Trevon Diggs had a very low pro football focus score. I remember it because I remember having this very conversation with Cowboys fans because Cowboys fans were upset and they thought pro football focus was a sham as a result of it. He had a 67. That year he had 11 interceptions. was an all-pro, his best season ever, his breakout year. He had a 67 pro football focus grade for most of the year. Uh, he was ranked like 45th or 50th or something like that out of the, the cornerbacks. And Cowboys fans thought, man, that's ridiculous. And pro, pro football folks lost all legitimacy. And it's still, I'm, I'm not taking up for them. You can still discredit them if you want to. Like I said, I like them for the stats. But what I, what I will say is uh, oftentimes with Trevor and Diggs, the algorithm was based on the responsibility of the player in that specific play based on the coverage. And if they actually, you know, uh, took care of their responsibility, if they actually were assignment sound, executed their responsibility in the coverage, that's how they grade them on every play. And Trevon Diggs oftentimes, very instinctive, instinctual player, there are times when he would make plays, make interceptions, make plays on the football where he violated the coverage to do so. That he was supposed to be in a deep third and decided, no, I'm jumping this six route. <laughs> I'm doing it because I see it. I'm a ball hawk. All right? I'm jumping this route. And at times they got him in trouble, as Cowboys fans know. There'd be a double move here, out and up here, and then boom, eyes in the wrong place. But also every now and then he would come off of um, you know, his nine route to come jump the, the out cut or jump a curl route on the number two receiver and end up making a great play and an interception or play on the ball. And you almost had to live with the plays you would give up because he would make so many of those plays. But Pro Football Focus is grading you on being assignment sound on plays, um, on plays and you don't get um, enough bonus points for, make, for making splash plays like Trevon Dix is making. I think you should get more bonus points for making splash plays because, as I, I always say, every cornerback's going to get beat. They all get beat, every last one, even the great ones. They get beat. You watch them. 
It could be all the time. Hell, Alabama's going to have first-round corners, Kool-Aid McKinstry and with Terry and Arnold. Those guys got beat by Texas. Got, they, Texas just Texas lit them dudes up <laughs> in the passing game. They still don't get drafted really high because you got to, you got to, you know, it's a, once you look at the body of work and the sample size, you'll see that those guys make more plays than they give up. And that's ultimately what the only thing you can ask in this modern day and age from your corners. I need you to make more plays than you give up because you're going to give up some. And try to be as assignment sound as you can. The thing with Trevon Dix is he wasn't assignment sound, but he was a playmaker. And pro football focus is great in you giving you higher grades, I guess, than they probably should for being assignment sound rather than being a playmaker and making plays. And the truth is, football is about getting your hands on the football. <laughs> football is about the football. <laughs> Those guys should get extra points. They should get bonus points because they're football-oriented guys. They're havoc players, splash players, guys who make those big plays, and that's what Trevor Dixon. So that doesn't add up. And I think C.J. Stroud, ultimately, and that, that, I, it's a great clip I want to play of a player's um, – there was a uh, player's podcast. We were talking about C.J. Stroud. They dropped too many bombs, too many F-bombs, N-bombs, S-bombs. We can't play it. <laughs> and I'll send it to E and, and send it to Ty just so they can hear it. But these guys are talking about how rare it is and how humiliating it is for a quarterback to get to the third read and able to make an accurate throw in third and fourth read. Remember I talked about that's what the NFL wants to see from Quinn Ewers. Get to your second, get to your third read, and still be accurate and still be, um, you know, uh, a sound with your mechanics, your footwork, and all that kind of stuff. But they were talking about him getting to his third read and him looking off defenders. And one linebacker describes he thought he had C.J. because C.J. was getting to his second read, which was him, which was he was the nearest defender, and he took it away immediately. And C.J. was staring right at his guy, and he thought, okay, C.J. staring right at my guy. He's definitely going to panic. There's, you know, we're about to get the pass rush is going to get there, all right, because he said he jumped the route. And he said C.J. actually was just looking off the safety because he looked at him for about a half a second and then threw it to the third read. And he talks about how humiliating and how rare that is. And it is for a rookie quarterback to be able to do that. And I think for pro football focus, honestly, for the C.J. Stroud, the only way I can explain it is that C.J. Stroud often, because he is so sound, either their, their grades don't account for um, his maturity as a quarterback or he is you know, next level getting so deep into the, the progressions and maybe the pro football focus algorithm cannot really track what his progressions are because it is rare that a rookie is that mature in their progressions. It, it, uh, we haven't seen it. It's the greatest rookie season for a quarterback ever. I, so I, I really can't explain the, uh, the, the disparity in the scores between Jordan Love, his 90-something pro football focus grade uh, in that game, and Jordan uh, and, you know, C.J. Stroud's. Uh, but I can tell you, there have been other discrepancies by Pro Football Focus. He's not the only one. So don't let it, you know, I think get to you. There are reasons for the, him being an outlier. I don't know if they are just yet because it's just kind of just started. But I guarantee you we'll find out what the reasons are. At least I'll have a, a theory about it coming up a little bit later on. All right, let's talk about the uh, the Texans and how they're going to defend Lamar Jackson. Matter of fact, let's talk about the Texans in their last game versus the, uh, the you know, which was great, by the way, versus the Browns. And I found a little nugget about the, the strategy and the game plan that I thought was pretty cool. So we talk about breaking tendency, and obviously you got to break tendency in big games, right? That's the only way you're going to win a big game because there's so much prep done. They know your trends. They know your tendencies. They know your habits as a team, and they're going to dial in on those. they got a game plan built around those. So you got to break tendency at the right time. Do something out outside of uh, your comfort zone. The, the way they broke tendency defensively that, I, that we brought up, 
earlier this week was they shadowed Amari Cooper with Derek Stingley more than they shadowed him all season long. Usually he doesn't shadow. His shadow rate's pretty low. Shadows when you follow a receiver around. He shadowed. It was a high shadow rate for Derek Stingley all season long, and it was on Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper drastically, um, uh, kind of a drastic drop in production from the last time he played the Texans, which was, I think, a 276-yard day for him. But Houston, that was the only way they broke tendency. And I, I found this too. Houston disguised their coverage a ton in that game. And Houston is not a coverage disguised team. As a matter of fact, I've complained about Houston not disguising their coverages enough because they don't really disguise their coverage. If you go look at the disguise rate, uh, how often teams rotated their coverage looks from a single high, which is one deep safety, to two high, or from two high safeties um, to a single high safety, the Texans are second to last. And if you go look at the overall disguise rate on defense, the Texans in their backs, in terms of the back seven, are last in disguised looks. Um, but in the playoff win over Cleveland, 46% of their snaps, they had disguised coverages. So damn near half of their looks were disguised coverages. That is that is a really high number for, for the Texans. Like I said, they're usually second to last in the amount of disguise they throw at opposing teams. And that's because Joe Flacco, he has struggled versus trying to process different looks pre-snap and post-snap. So that is another way that D'Amico Ryan's broke tendency that we didn't talk about enough. Uh, not only do you have the Derek Steenley uh, shadow rate, which was the highest rate that he has shadowed a receiver all season long, um, but you had the disguise rate, which was the highest rate that Texas, the Texans had all, had all season long. They were under, they were hovering right around 20%, or maybe a little over 20% disguise rate during the season, and he decided to uh, up that. Uh, p- percentage in the playoffs and up that rate in the playoffs. So th- there's two ways he did it, and I thought those were brilliant strategies, and it worked. Um, not only did you get the, the, the interceptions and the turnovers, you got the pick six, and uh, it looked like you know Joe Flacco was confused and discombobulated. That's probably why, because he saw totally different looks from the last time he had played the Texans in week 16 until that uh, wild card matchup. So give D'Amico some credit. Yeah, and we will see. Obviously, these uh, Ravens and Texans play, but it was all the way back week one, uh, first game of the season uh, with the new coach. And obviously, Baltimore was breaking into new offense in that game with uh, Todd Monken as the offensive coordinator. So much different teams now. Yep. Uh, but they'll square off on Saturday. First game of divisional playoff weekend, about 3.15, 3.30 on Saturday afternoon to launch the weekend. Uh, Texans with a full week's rest. The Ravens coming off two weeks rest. And, and a lot of talent in uh, in Baltimore. We'll talk a lot about Lamar Jackson and how you deal with him. But, you know, the youngster Zay Flowers has really come on as a wide receiver for he's them. He's healthy now too. He's healthy. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're relatively healthy uh, coming off two weeks off essentially. Remember, they didn't play their starters against Cleveland in week 17. Took the week off last week. I mean, they're, that's where the rest versus rest conversation will come in. Can the jump, Texans jump on them? Because uh, maybe they're playing at a playoff intensity level and the Ravens have to – reach that, uh, but we'll see. They'll be playing at home, so they'll have that home crowd intensity uh, pushing them in Baltimore. Very tough place to play, uh, so we'll see. Also, the guy that really worries me, you know, C.J. Stroud's only thrown five interceptions this whole year in 13 games. He hasn't thrown one, but their free safety, Kyle Hamilton, has really emerged one of the best defensive backs in the country in the uh, in the game, Rod, out of Notre Dame. We saw him at Notre Dame where he was just kind of an everywhere kind of mm-hmm. player. They took him in the first round, and this guy's really turned in 
to one of the best players on their defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, they also traded for Ro- Roquan Smith from the Bears, and he's come and, and really solidified their run defense. I mean, this is, this is a really good Ravens team. We know that, right? And against the best competition this year, they've – They've beaten the daylights out of the best competition yeah. in football this year. So big challenge for the for the uh, Texans. That's why they're a nine, nine-and-a-half point underdog in this game. We'll talk about it all the way. We'll hear from C.J. Stroud coming up, talking about this matchup, and uh, fun to have a Texas team still playing in these playoffs with the Cowboys' disappointing end of their season. We're talking about that as well, Rod. Uh, what are they going to do? The reports that uh, Jerry Jones won't meet with Mike McCarthy until later this week to, uh, to have a conversation. And according to Sports Illustrated, it's almost a job interview for Mike mm-hmm. McCarthy because if you're Jerry Jones, you want your head coach to paint the paint the uh, the direction. Well, what happened and where are we going, right? I mean, uh, we know where we've been. How do we get to the next level? What's the uh, next conversation for them? Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, are we still believing Jim Harbaugh's going to the NFL? I mean, he's yeah. now interviewed with the Chargers and yeah, the Falcons. Yeah, he's going. Think he's, he's going? Yeah, this is all theater. Well, to that in mind, Rod, I don't know if you saw this this morning, but I, our, our friend Blake Monroe over at On Texas Football he, he discovered this, that the, uh, the early line is out, and Texas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite at Michigan September the 7th. <laughs> one-and-a-half-point favorite yeah. at Michigan. And that would include the, with Jim Harbaugh being back because he hadn't left yet. No, I'm with you. I, I, think, I think he's gone, though. And they're losing a lot, too. So I, I understand the, the line, honestly. It's, um, and we're, way, we're ways away, so that could change a lot, especially with the transfer portal, everything happening. Uh, oh, that, that line will change. Like I said, and, and once he leaves, remember 30 days open uh, free agency, basically. You got open season there. Once he leaves, if he does, I think he will, where their roster will be able to hit the transfer portal for 30 days. And I know that's – I don't know how that works out with – School and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't. That's the thing. It's I don't get. weird. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how that school look starts. Like. You got to be yeah. able to transfer in and go to school. You know, Texas has a two-week yeah. ad drop period. All most schools have a couple of week ad drop period where you can drop classes or add. Yeah, where you can still. But so, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if Jim Harbaugh waits till next week or so to leave. It's going to be hard for any of those Michigan players to jump in the yeah. portal and go anywhere. I don't know how that works out. And then there's you a different, enroll in school. different calendars on the West Coast. So it's all type of different stuff. Uh, I want to get back to the Texans and the, the playoff game here because I'm talking about breaking tendency. The reason I'm talking about breaking tendency is because that's how you win big games. Um, so the Texans, I told you how they broke tendency to beat the Browns. They disguised more than they ever disguised all season long. They're not a disguised team, not, not a lot of disguise. And they had more shadow coverage, uh, Derek Stingley, on Amari Cooper than he's had all season long. Great ways to break Tennessee. How do you do it versus the Ravens? Something that the Texans don't do a lot of, they don't blitz a lot. You're talking about a, a, about a bottom five blitz rate of all the defense in the NFL, about a 20% blitz rate for the Texans. So they don't like to blitz a lot. But Lamar Jackson, he isn't great versus the blitz. Now, Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP, so we're talking about not great. We're basically talking about him dropping off from elite play to being above average play. Um, but versus the Blitz, he ranks 29th out of 42 eligible quarterbacks in EPA uh, per play against six-plus pass rushers. So a Blitz is five or more. And he ranks 36th in passer rating, 24th in success rate um, in these heavy Blitz scenarios. And think about it. You Blitz him and you speed up everything. Now, it's a gamble because if you Blitz, you better have some, <laughs> you better have some fail safes in place in case this guy escapes the Blitz and is able to get outside the pocket. Um, but uh, you may see another way for the Texans to break tendency in this game. They may Blitz than they, than they normally do, um, and that would be something that I think would surprise the, uh, the Ravens. They don't see it. They don't see it on film a lot, and that's what you've got to do in these big games, especially in the playoffs. You've got to put something out there effectively that works that they haven't been able to prepare for on film. 
And I think blitz, a heavy blitz rate for the Texans is definitely a way to do it. I think that's something if, I am, if, I, if I'm D'Amico Ryan's going into this game and I don't want Lamar Jackson to be able to hold the football back there and I don't want him to get comfortable blitzing early and often. That's I'll throw it out. And they spread out more than they used to as well. It's easier to blitz Lamar Jackson than it used to be because they don't run they don't run their personnel from heavier sets. Not twelve, not those uh two back sets anymore. You're talking about spread sets with Todd Munkin and if they spread you out, that means they're gonna be some eh, some free defenders uh that could come on some of those pressure packages. Uh, I will say this, and we all know it. If you're going to blitz Lamar Jackson, you better not miss him. You better get him to the ground. You better not miss. I agree with that. He's great. Uh, He is a hard guy to get on the ground. That becomes a huge challenge uh, for the Houston Texans on Saturday. But in week one, remember, against the Texans, um, that was tied for the most. He was sacked in the game this year. Yeah. He was sacked four times in the game. So, D'Amico already knows how to get to him a little bit. And it was also his third lowest passer rating, second lowest yardage total of his uh, MVP campaign so far this year. So, D'Amico's got – now, that was the first game of the season for them. That they become more comfortable and they got more continuity within this offense as they as the season goes on because they were all brand new to it. C.J. Stroud was also <laughs> brand new to his offense. So, that's why it's going to be a very different game than it was. But there's a little reflection on their first meeting in week one. All right, Divisional Playoff Weekend on tap. Coming back, we'll hit some bullish and BS topics. Uh, what are we calling BS on? What are we bullish on going into the weekend as we're getting you up over the hump now on this Wednesday? Ty Henderson will join us from the Horn headquarters. We're live in the South Austin Onion Creek studios where it's uh, crisp 17 degrees, Rod. Not in the crisp studio, but right like outside that. the window here, about 17 degrees. It is arctically cold, but that's going to end today, thank goodness, as we'll be back to 70 degrees by tomorrow, Rod. 68. <laughs> it's Texas. I like my winners. Yeah. They're short. They're short and mm-hmm. uh, little bursts of cold. Like we, we've managed this. Hopefully you have out there as uh, kids are getting back to school and all those things getting back to normal a little bit on this Wednesday. Coming back, Bullish or BS on Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, time for Bullish or BS. E. Hogan, Rod Babers, Ty Henderson back at the Horn headquarters. Ty, how are we feeling hey. this morning? You've been uh, dragging a little bit, dealing with um, uh, some stomach issues. How are you feeling this morning, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling good. We'll feeling rest good. That Cowboys game nice. gave you indigestion, but you had sold your Cowboys stock. <laughs> and remember, the Rangers won the World Series. Let's always remember I'm that. good, yeah. Still, oh. still got that. You're good. Uh, guys, let me ask you this, Eric, Ty and uh, Rod. Bullish or BS, of the six transfer portal additions for the Longhorns so far, which one are you most bullish about the Longhorns adding? Uh, Is there one that you're good. most uh, uh, yeah, it's excited got, about? Mm, it's got to be Isaiah. That's two. I'm a cheat. It's got to be Isaiah Bond, number one, because you were missing so much, or at least you lost so much in your receiving production. And you got to, I mean, a guy that led Alabama in receptions, he's a number one wide receiver for you when he steps on campus. So that guy. Um, and Trey Moore, because you haven't had a natural pass rusher really on campus, like a, any, you know, a natural pass rusher at that position, at an edge position on campus since Sark's been here. This is Joseph Osai probably, right? Yeah. and that's, you go back Sark, that far? Yeah, yeah, so Sark, exactly, right? It's been a while, and I think that's one thing they've been missing. So it's, either, it's, it's those two. It's either Isaiah Bond or Trey Moore. And, yeah, and Trey Moore is right there, man. Yeah, this I would it. agree with that. Same with me. Uh, I was going to say Trey Moore. Trey Moore. Uh, 
because you can go watch the film on him. As you said, Rod, some people are natural coverage guys. Some guys are, you know, running backs. You see them pretty quickly. They're natural runners. Uh, this guy's a natural pass rusher. He really is. And he was out of Smithson Valley who kind of went – a lot of guys got caught up in that whole COVID thing where yes. you know, their, their, their years yep. kind of crossed with all that and uh, maybe went under some radars. But, man, went to UTSA and was a, was a player, a uh, productive player in the uh, – uh, for the for the Roadrunners there for, for several years. Longhorns got to see it. So, yes, I like that a lot. I'll also throw Andrew McCuba on there, too. I'm just excited having seen Andrew at LBJ and just the leadership intangible he brought to that team for, for Jamal Fenner, you know, playing offense and defense and a two-way player when they played in the state championship game and lost to South Oak Cliff. I mean, that was uh, – mm. that's a really good player. I mean, that's a really good yeah. player coming from a, a Clemson team that has kind of slid for Dabo Swinney, but he's played some high-level football in big-time games. Really like what Andrew McCuba can immediately bring. For me, it reminds me of, uh, you know, A.D. Mitchell coming last year. It's a different side of the ball, but A.D. Mitchell had played in national championship games, played at Georgia, yep. played in big moments. Andrew McCuba comes back home to play in his own, you know, area code but also brings a lot of experience that he gleaned and, and took from uh, from playing for Brett Venables for a year or two there at Clemson. Like that. And he can bring that to that secondary that needs it because G and Jedi yeah. Barron are going to have to be the, the sheriffs back there, you know, patrolling that new-look secondary. So I'll throw him on the pile on the bullish or BS side of things. That's your 512 crew? 512 crew. Your 512 and Michael crew? Taff, uh, Jade Barron, and uh, – and now Andrew Makuba, all out of the 512. Uh, bullish or BS, shout out to my man Blake Monroe, at Blake Monroe OTF, doing a great job. Um, he looked at the uh, latest uh, mock draft from The Athletic. I believe this is Dane Brugler, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, six Longhorns going in the first two rounds of the draft, according to The Athletic's predictions and prognostications. <laughs> wow. What are your thoughts? Bullish or BS on six Longhorns being taken in the first two rounds? I'm bullish on that. I mean, I know we've talked about the numbers, but, yeah, I mean, Dane Brugler is as good as there is, by the way, as far as draft coverage, in my opinion. It's part of the reason to be a subscriber to The Athletic, by the way, .com. It's a, it's a subscriber site. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, the one that, that is curious is Jonathan Brooks and how high he'll go as a running back. They have him going here number 56 overall in the second round. Yeah. To the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I mean, that's a team that jumps off the page because if you can – several reasons. Because Jonathan Brooks, I'm, I'd be bullish on that because the, the Cowboys of Jerry Jones have always been willing to take a – you know, if they have a second-round pick guy who's got an injury flag but he's got a first-round grade or on their flag. board. Or, or character. Yeah, or character. Yeah, it'll, it'll do either. Yeah, that's the injury and character. So if i got a first-round talent who slid to the middle of the second round at a need position – they're willing to do it, right? Yep. They're willing to jump there. And Jonathan Brooks would be just that because Tony Pollard's a free agent, guys. Tony Pollard is, was your franchise player. He underperformed this year, and he's probably going to walk in free agency. You need a running back. Yeah, you do. And if Jonathan Brooks, who you know, was projected by Mel Kuyper as the number one running back, is there at 54, and you, project, you, you did your medicals for him during the, uh, the combine and the offseason, and he checks out that the knee's going to heal properly, yeah, I, I would jump on Jonathan Brooks. I think that's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. But as far as six in the top two rounds, that's top 60. I mean, you're talking about Brooks, A.D. Mitchell, I'm assuming, Tavondre Sweat, Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders, and Byron Murphy. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. That would be the six. Yeah. I'd be bullish on that. I'd be bullish on that because I think Tavondre Sweat, you can't coach 360 in athletic. Uh, teams that are looking for those run pluggers, those first two down run pluggers, that could be a second-round pick for sure. Byron Murphy because the engine never stops. J.T. Sanders with the high ceiling. And uh, Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy are both seen as first, first you know, 40-pick wide receivers. There are only uh, two first-rounders based on this mock draft. They have uh, the two D-tackles, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, arguably the best two D-tackles in the country, uh, going uh, 16, Byron Murphy going to the Seattle Seahawks, 
and 30, the Detroit Lions drafting Devondre Sweat. Uh, and, and in round two, they have the Carolina Panthers drafting A.D. Mitchell. Sorry, A.D. Uh, the Cowboys drafting Jonathan Brooks at 56. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks drafting Xavier Worthy. How about that? Hang out with Baker, Baker, Moneymaker. And uh, J.T. Sanders going to the Kansas City oh. Chiefs. Congratulations, JT, on your potential Hall of Fame career. At least that the start of one, anyway. Awesome. Can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, JT I could imagine. That. That's... For sure. I mean, but for the opportunity oh. to go play behind Travis Kelsey for however many years he has if left. I, and... If I'm if I'm Xavier Worthy, I'm trying to get there too. Like I'm trying. <laughs> hey, if, I want to go. If there. I'm going, if I'm going three picks before Kansas City, Kansas City, come get me. Yeah. All right, come get me, or let me. I'd rather draft. I'd rather drop down. Honestly, a little bit later on in the draft. Come, 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 trade up to get me later on. In the second then please please because i t- to the to the bucks the bucks are playing well right now i will give them that they're playing well but would you rather go hang out with patrick mahomes in kansas city or whether it be with the bucks well and, and patrick mahomes gonna be there for like for 100%, 10 years 100 <laughs> but in kansas city you could be the heir apparent to travis kelsey they know with andy reed calling the players i'm saying you, you can start your career could be a hall of fame career yeah and you've got travis kelsey maybe to teach you the offense and oh, teach you the tricks of the trade man. as you're still developing as a tight end and maybe Oof. the best to ever do it and a quarterback who loves throwing his, him a tight end Come on now. Yeah, and you might I'm end bullish. up marrying a pop star when you get ready to retire late in your career. Who knows? <laughs> by the way, on bullish or by the way, Ty, are you bullish or BS on uh, six Longhorns in the top 60 picks? 62 picks, 64 uh, picks would be the first two rounds. No or yay? Probably no right now. I, I want to see it before I believe it. Okay. You're kind of called BS. Uh, and I'll call BS on this, by the way. Did you see Brett Favre's comment yesterday? Oh, about the Taylor Swift thing? Said that Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey to to make her more famous. <laughs> she's trying to become more famous. I think he mentioned it was a cash grab, too. I think he's like, – I think he hinted. How unaware is Brett Favre? I, I hope those are fake comments, man, because I think he mentioned something about for the – I don't know. You can, say, you can have any opinion you want on Taylor Swift, but she's not dating an NFL tight end to become more famous. Okay, that would yeah. be the other way around. <laughs> Yeah, here, okay, uh, yeah, uh, okay, here's some, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these comments and try to get to exactly to them, because I got them from Billboard, so I trust them. Um, yeah, he said, I think it's a distraction. He said, they don't, basically, he doesn't think they're going to make the Super Bowl because of her. Right. That's basically kind of his. That's a Ty Henderson comment. His, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, her being, fam- her basically being thirsty for fame. <laughs> So she's going to date some uh, football player that most of the world doesn't even know is is wild to me. That's a hell of a theory throwing out there. Thank brother. you, Brett. Yeah, the deep thinker, of Brett Favre. Uh, <laughs> who, I mean, he understands, right, that Taylor Swift has more social media and Instagram followers than the entire NFL. Like, like entirely, like, like the NFL. Yeah, like like the NFL's Instagram. Like, the NFL is the shield. What are you talking about? She man? doubles them, <laughs> like Instagram and social media popularity. What? Like what? Come on, man. Come on, man. Are you she's not a billionaire herself. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know what Brett's talking about. I gotta go see. I see we can sound some sound on this interview where he went off. I'm, I'm saying she's bad for football. Ty, <laughs> Ty has this right. Ty, Ty, yeah, Ty, Ty feels like it's too. one thing to be bothered by Taylor Swift. It's another thing to have anger towards Taylor Swift because she, she's dating a football player. Angst. I don't get it. A lot of people just think it's like, yeah, she's like she's thirsty for more headlines than she's already getting. I'm like, oh, I don't she know. met a boy. She, <laughs> yeah, sure. She met. Yes, yeah, sure. I'm not even and they're get talking into engagement. It. What's that, Ty? Not even to get into it. Well, they ain't talking engagement. Right. Well, yeah, they are. Mm. You see, you see her getting Mama, Mama Kelsey swinging the other day at the yeah. uh, everything. Everybody's seen that. That's someone that's also now. hungry for fame as well. Who? The mom? Yes. Come on, you guys are angry. <laughs> 
you such an angry dude. It's unbelievable. What do you, why does that make you angry that the this happens? Because it's so, it's so it. fake. It's ridiculous. I'm, I'm done right. with it. I still think that I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, though. I'm, I'm, you do? I'm, I, I will disagree with Brett Favre on that one. You think the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl? Yep. Well, interesting. Uh, coming out of the weeds here. Uh, going to Buffalo. We'll get into that. Which one of the uh, divisional playoff underdogs are you most bullish on pulling the upset this weekend? Is it the Chiefs? They're only a two-and-a-half-point dog at Buffalo. We'll talk about it coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.